I'm Mike Simmons, and this is the Yearbook Wise Podcast. Well, hello from Central Florida. I'm down here at a yearbook workshop in Orlando, uh, my third and final one before my local camp uh, back in the uh, upstate New York um, the first weekend of August. I had some time to sit down today with a dear friend of mine, Sabrina Schmitz. She is a former yearbook advisor at J.W. Mitchell uh, High School here in Florida, and she's a current uh, yearbook representative with the Walsworth Publishing Company. I've known Sabrina uh, now a, a good few years and have come to know and respect her passion, her energy, and, and the enthusiasm that she brings to her work with advisors and staffs, uh, not just here in Central Florida, but uh, coast to coast at conventions and workshops. Uh, Sabrina's always on the move and uh, she just she does a tremendous job. We were able to talk in this uh, episode about uh, her work with advisors and supporting and coaching them uh, through their work with students and, and staffs in development, uh, about some of the tools and tips and tricks that she's seen in uh, publication labs across the country, and uh, some of the, the passion that she feels for empowering student voice and uh, teaching great journalism. I want to remind you that you can uh, reach out if you've got questions or you're in need of resources, you want to provide some feedback or suggest uh, future episode topics, you can contact me at iteachyearbook at gmail.com. And you can find the podcast as ever on Twitter at at yearbookwise. It would be great to hear from you. Here's my interview with Walsworth yearbook representative, Sabrina Schmitz. Tell me a little bit about your yearbook journey and where it all began. Well, um, I always like to tell people I went on to uh, yearbook staff when I was a senior in high school for about a week and um, was in there for a couple days and went, there's no way I'm going to do this. This seems like a lot of work. And I got switched out. And then I ended up going to school for journalism and getting hired at uh, JW Mitchell High School. And they wanted me to do the yearbook there. And I helped out for a little bit and I was like, man, Seems like a lot of work, no thanks, uh, pass. And um, then they came back to me when the advisor left halfway through the year and I took it over and it was the best thing that ever happened. I loved it, like fell in love with yearbook, the whole world, all of it. And um, about eight years after I started advising, I was teaching at a workshop and got asked if I'd ever be interested in being a rep. And I said, nope, I love my job, <laughs> I love my kids, not, you know, I got a great thing going on here. Um, but it was it turned out after kind of shadowing some people and talking to a lot of people it was basically taking the best part of my day and making it that all day every day and so it was an awesome opportunity that i've again fallen in love with so now it's all yearbook all the time how long ago was that did you make the switch uh five years now so i'm going into my sixth school year okay. mm -hmm. um what is the most challenging part about being a rep for a publishing company? You're five years in, you can speak experience. <laughs> what, it could have been a surprise or, uh, I'm gonna guess paperwork, I hate paperwork. Uh, yeah, you know, there's always paperwork. It's like you gave up grading, you know, which everybody would be happy to give up, but then you just replace that with other kinds of paperwork. So that's, you know, there's a little bit of a trade-off there. Um, you know, the, the challenging part is, to me, I mean, there's a ton, just like with everything. There's obstacles, there's challenges, there's things you want to change, things you want to do different, you know. Um, one, I think one of the biggest challenges is you have a lot of schools 
that you're working with. And I always felt like it doesn't matter the size of the school, how big they are, how many kids are there, how many books they sell. Like you want to treat every school to the best of your ability, you know? Um, and it's hard because there's only so many hours in the day and there's, you know, and there's a, a you're trying to keep up with different themes and different staff situations and uh, different challenges at different schools. And so um, trying to manage that and give your all to every single school that you're you're seeing that day is the big overarching challenge. Like, how do you balance all of those things together? But yeah, you can add paperwork into into the mix for sure. What's the most rewarding part? What, what keeps you going, uh, going up on year six? I'll tell you, um, my first year as a rep was tough leaving the classroom because um, I missed having my own group of kids, you know, that I saw every day. Like I had my own home base, my office, my classroom. And that singular journey. Yeah, yes, like yes. And, you, you know, teachers out there know, like, you know, I had freshmen through seniors on my class. You spend four years with those kids and they're like family, you know? Um, so it was a completely different environment, but I remember um, Missy Green told me when I was first shadowing her and talking about possibly doing this job, she said, you still have an impact on students, but your reach is not as deep, it's wider. And I thought, that changed my whole perspective on things. Like I may not have the same kid for four years and, and see them every day and build these really, really deep, strong, lifelong relationships. But man, I get to see so many more students on a daily basis and impact, hopefully be impacting those students' lives on a day-to-day -day basis. And that to me made me feel like it doesn't feel as far from the classroom as you might think. You know, I'm still in classes every day. I'm still dealing with kids every day. Every day, I'm still um, teaching a lot. You know, um, I feel like that's important, at least for me, as a rep, because um, it's something I value. And so, being able to, being able to still know that somewhere in there, I'm still having an impact. And in that, you do as a rep, like you, you know, some of those kids that are on your staffs so year after year, you do get to build some of those really strong relationships. And so I've been to graduations and graduation parties and keeping in touch with kids after they graduate. Like, I love that stuff. And just like a teacher, like that's the most, will always be the most rewarding part. Mm -hmm. How would you describe the role? Are, are you a advisor whisperer or are you a, and, and, and I'm <laughs> you, how, many, how many schools do you serve? Um, about 70, okay. give or so take. Are mm -hmm. there 70 different flavors of Sabrina? Interesting. There's certain advisors or schools where you've got to go in as the heavy. Mm -hmm. and like, these deadlines need to matter. And then mm -hmm. there's other ones that probably, thankfully, aren't much work because mm -hmm. they've got maybe a highly functional advisor. So how, how do you not hedge, but how do you prepare? How do you know, kind of gird yourself? Like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going in, and now I've got to put on this frame or uh -huh. this mask. Yes. I've got to be this version of myself. Mm -hmm. how, what's that like on a daily? Um, that's a, a great question. Because uh, you're right, like depending on the school and the staff and the situation, the advisor, it changes from school to school. So from hour to hour, as you're driving around throughout your day, like it's going to be different versions of yourself. The two things that I always, um, and I tell kids this all the time, like you can do anything with enthusiasm and hard work. So enthusiasm to me is one of those, like that's the mainstay, like that's always there. Like I, I want to know that when I'm walking in a classroom, like I hope that I'm bringing some energy to what can be, as we all know, stressful situations in the yearbook room. 
Um, and I want to help alleviate that and lighten that for those kids and that advisor. So enthusiasm kind of becomes hopefully my mainstay of that's always there. But I usually allow the editors and the advisor to guide me on what they need. So if the advisor, you know, I've had advisors pull me aside and say, here's what we're struggling with. Can you can you guide them in such and such a direction? Or the editors might say, you know, our staff isn't doing you know, isn't meeting their deadlines or we're struggling with this story idea or somebody's, you know, editing somebody else's work, you know, whatever the case may be. And so there are times where I have to go in there and be kind of have a tough love situation, you know, um, and I can do that because I did it with my own staff. So I can do it, I can do it there too. Um, and I always, you know, thought it was a lot easier because I can give the tough love and then leave. Um, <laughs> then you get to check out after that um, and let them kind of hopefully pull it all back together. But uh, that, so depending on the depending on what that advisor and those kids want and need in that moment. And sometimes it's not just by the school, it's by the visit. You know, like one visit might be we need some, you know, hard hitting advice or we need, you know, I love when um, staffs will say to me, I want you to come in and just tear our stuff apart, like just rip it to pieces. I'm like, awesome, because that's going to be fun, you know, and it might be tough to hear, but that's what you want. And I can definitely do that for you because it means you want to get better, you know. Um, so from visit to visit, it might be different. And from school to school, it might be different. But I always think that's kind of part of the fun of the job, you know, anything different and it's going to get boring like I remember when I first started teaching uh freshman English and I read To Kill a Mockingbird five times you know same chapter five times in one day gets real old real quick you know in this world never a dull moment that's for sure so you just talked about you step into a classroom and the advisor will pull you aside and tell you what you need for the day mm -hmm. that brings me very nicely to a flavor of my next question which was what do you wish more advisors knew about their work and relationship with their rep? How, how are you best utilized? Or, you know, it could, is it, tell, tell me what you need from mm -hmm. me. Is it, you know, reach out on the, on the weekly. And, and certainly your 70 schools, you, you could have 70 very different sets of needs. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some broad categories. But, but again, broadly, how do we as advisors um, best use you? What, mm -hmm. what, what is some advice? Maybe it's for a new and up-and-coming advisor. They're going mm -hmm. into their first year. When you first meet your rep or in these first months with your rep, make mm -hmm. sure you what? Right. Um, that's a great question because I, th I think there's a lot um, that you can build into that. So um, first, first and foremost, I would say your rep is your partner. Like they're not, they're, they're, they shouldn't be this... Um, just outside contact that, you know, you should never feel like you're an island unto yourself doing this job. You have you're a, not alone. you're not alone. Like you have a partner in this with you, you know, um, that's how I feel when I work with a, with a school and with a staff, like I'm, I'm as invested in this book and making this great as you are. So that, that is a, a, a resource that, that if you're not tapping into as an advisor, you should. Um, another big thing I think is communication, you know, um, as a as a rep, like I I try as as best as possible to constantly be reaching out to advisors or to be checking in or make sure they have everything they need. Um, offer ideas, you know, where depending on what time of year we're in, whether it's distribution or recruiting or deadline time or whatever, we're just getting the year started. So you try to offer, but there might be something very specific happening on your staff 
you know, or a situation that you're dealing with that unless you communicate it, you know, as, as yearbook reps, sometimes we don't know, like we say, like, we just don't know that that's happening. Yeah. Not a mind reader. Um, I wish, you know, I wish I could sense all of those things, but, but you can't. So, um, so as much as possible, if there is something, don't ever hesitate to throw it out there to your, to your rep. They might, you know, point you in a different direction. They might say, Hey, this is more of a, you know, a customer service situation, or maybe we need to talk to a cover artist, or maybe, you know, we can point you to another advisor that might be able to help guide you through that scenario. Or there, there could be a ton of different options, but don't ever hesitate to throw that out. Um, and that also goes through, um, for problems or issues. Like, I mean, nothing's perfect. Like if an issue arises, um, the one thing I would always hate is for an advisor to keep that close to the chest and internalize it, you know, and feel any kind of frustration or, you know, um, going back to feeling like I'm alone and I have to figure this out on my own. Your rep is there to alleviate those things, to help you walk you through them and solve those problems for you um, and with you, you know, as a, as a team, as a partnership. So I think the communication part is key in using your rep. Like every, every rep is going to be different. Every rep is going to function differently, but making sure that they know what you expect of them and, um, and communicating that clearly to them will make a, a much more healthy working relationship and will naturally make your life easier as an advisor. Um, I'm proud of, we were talking off before we started recording, we're talking about this project where we've you know, so many episodes in and I've gotten some feedback from reps that they listen and, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited that this has been um, something in service to kids and editors, advisors and reps. Sure. For reps in the audience, maybe newer <laughs> reps in the audience, what's something you know now about working with advisors that you wish you knew on the first day of your job as a rep? Oof. Um, gosh, that's a good one. Uh, man, the first, I would say just like any job, the first even year is a bit of a whirlwind. Um, so you're, you're just trying to like keep your head above water, learn it all. Um, when I first started teaching and old, my old high school principal was in the district office and she saw me there one, one day and she said, give it three years, yep. Sabrina, yep. <laughs> give it three years to figure out if you, if this is something you really want to do. Cause I was just stressed and nervous and, um, before you judge yourself, yeah, check out, yeah. Or, you before know, you I'm give up, throw in the yep. towel, yep. all those things. And so, and I remember by year two, I was starting to get the hang of it. And by year three, I was hooked, you know, so and being patient with yourself, I think being patient and knowing that, um, there's a learning curve to all of this, you know, to me, it, my, my motto, even when I teach students is people over publication, like you're always, if you value people, the rest kind of comes naturally. And so if you can, if you treat this job as a people centered job, it's not, you know, just producing books or, you know, all of that's a part of it. Like, you know, it's still a business. You're still trying to, you know, make sure that your schools are successful. But if you are focused on valuing the people that you're working with, a lot of the rest of it comes naturally. So if you can keep that, especially from day one as your priority, don't be so hard on yourself about the technical things that may or may not go right from time to time, but just know that you're treating people well and you're putting them as the priority in your day-to-day job. 
the other problems will fix themselves. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you led me straight to the next question. <laughs> um, you are here in Central Florida. Mm -hmm. you call yeah, this? Central sorry, Florida. Upstate New sure. York speaking. Um, <laughs> and you have had the, um, and I know that you would call it a privilege of being able to work all over the country with staffs Love all over it. the country. Yes, it's amazing sure. to follow you online and see where you are. Like, what, oh, where is she this weekend? <laughs> You've seen a lot of staffs um, in your territory here and across the country. Mm -hmm. The staffs and advisors, but the staffs that are the healthiest, maybe maybe the most successful. And I don't mean in terms of putting pacemakers and crowns on the wall. True. The success and health are those are not measures of success and health. Mm -hmm. What do you think their secret is? Um, I it's the people. This kind of goes back to the sure. people yeah. over publication thing. Um, I think staffs that value each other on staff that take the time to have fun that that um, aren't so bent on like to me the awards are wonderful like don't get me wrong like we had an award-winning program good to get the competitive back. love it yeah. you know like I think that drives our skill sets and stuff so mm -hmm. I think that's it's all wonderful but if that's the end-all be-all you'll end up railroading people on your staff you'll end up bulldozing over people you'll forget that they're the priority if you if staffs that have what I call build like yearbook culture on yep. their campus, yep. they have fun. They're visible on their campus. They're they're doing other things for people on their campus. They're serving other clubs and organizations on their campus. Um, when they do those things together as a staff and they have fun doing it, it's too much work to not have fun doing it. Like right. it's a lot of work. So if they're stressed and just upset all the time, who wants to do that? You know, like. So the staffs that, that truly make, and it sounds cheesy, but truly make having fun a priority on their staff, those are the ones to me that the success comes naturally right. as a result. If you have a staff that's embedded in, in um, uh, treating each other well and having a good time as a group, then the success of the publication comes naturally. There have been a lot of um, times where I've seen a book that maybe the kids aren't happy with you know, or they come in for a critique and I'll be looking at something and and I can see that there is a struggle. And I'll, the first question that I'll ask them when they're like, we don't like our publication, I'll say, how was your staff last year? Do you like each other? Yeah. <laughs> and and like all, like, well, we were fighting all the time. And, you know, we this didn't get along yeah. and our editor-in-chief yelled at us every day. And I'm like, well, that came out right. in your publication. Right. Staff that have fun together make better work, like better publications I've literally overall. said that to people. The staffs that like each other mm -hmm. like working together. Yes. And, yeah. I, I mean, there are times I remember when we had late nights, you know, on, in our yearbook room in, in 517, and there would be kids that would drive by campus and see our cars in the parking lot, and they'd pull in and come in. I'm like, you don't need to be here. They're like, we're just here to hang out. Right. We're just here to have fun because they want to be there, you know, because we had fun. We liked each other. They served each other. And because, not to say that it was always perfect, you know, not <laughs> we didn't live in a bubble, like everybody had their mishaps, but... Because that, that culture was there, I think that's what led to the success of the program as a whole. Because people wanted to be there, they wanted to work, they wanted to, they didn't want to let each other down right. or be that you know weak link in the chain. And that's how you elevate a program overall. So to me, the best staffs are the ones that make that part a, uh, a valuable part of their program. Um, and I also think it's easy for that to go to the wayside when you're faced with deadlines yeah. and you know it's the you first have, thing to go. Sure, yeah. 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 Like to me, marketing and fun go yeah. to the way, go to the wayside yeah. for the sake of the publication. And I get it. Like right. you, you have deadlines, and 
us wonderful reps are there pounding on your door asking where pages are, you know. Um, but you've got to, even if it's a couple minutes here and there, you got to give yourself that time to get a mental break. And I, I know I'm kind of rambling on here, but I also think creativity-wise, you know, there there is such a thing as productive procrastination. Like sometimes you've got to give yourself a little bit of a mental break in order to produce better work. Right. And it might feel like a waste of time, but our minds need that little bit of, of rest and, and walk away from it for a minute to just play heads up seven up for five minutes, you know, go walk a lap around the building just, and then come back and, and get to work. And you'll see that you'll naturally produce better results. Even last night here at camp, mm-hmm. uh, one of the high schools was, they were just putting their, their heads and fists into a brick wall, trying mm-hmm. to crack their tagline mm-hmm. for next year. And the gal I'm teaching with, oh, Cindy Todd, she's a, she's a friend of the podcast. Um, we're coaching them and Cindy said you know what you just need to step away mm-hmm. just go go out to you know Disney or go out to dinner or whatever uh-huh. leave it for six hours we saw them just after breakfast this morning and said we found it we got our tagline <laughs> and it, of course you know, they did yeah because yeah. they just needed to get away from that and so whether it's in again theme development or recognizing it in your own set turn turn on Spotify and have mm-hmm. a five-minute dance party yeah you know? and, and it's so hard I've been there and you're so right I've said to my kids we we need to stop because mm-hmm. this is not healthy and there's also a diminishing return, mm-hmm. right? Because if things start getting spicy, there's a little bit of heat in the room, mm-hmm. the, their work output and their quality work is going to be impacted, mm-hmm. as, as you said. And, and it's hard for them to process, uh, and I don't mean to sound patronizing to teenagers, I, actually I would mm-hmm. struggle with this as an adult, mm-hmm. but it's hard to process if you're on deadline, but you give yourselves a little bit of grace, five mm-hmm. minutes, five yep. hours, Probably not five days because yep, yeah, we days. still have stuff to do. Yep. <laughs> but step away from it and come back because coming mm-hmm. back fresh is better yep. than staying in it sour. You yeah, know? It, cloudy thoughts like that uh-huh. doesn't do us any good. Like you, you're going to take five hours to to write a story that might have taken you an hour right. if you had taken that break. Or you know? you'll do damage to your relationship with somebody that you're hot mm-hmm. with that's next to you. Yeah, like literally step away from each other. And, I, and I've said to kids, you've probably seen mm-hmm. it. It's, I don't know, maybe you've, you've said it, like, you need you need to go take a walk. Oh, Just please absolutely. go take a walk for your health yep. and ours. Just, it's like, okay. walk outside, okay. take a minute, mm-hmm. you know, go visit a different classroom, go grab a soda, like, go just take a lap if you yeah. have to, but walk it off, yep. you know? And that's not a bad thing. No. And and to, to think that that's abnormal or your staff is broken, you know, that's wrong. Like, this, when you're working this closely with people for this long on stuff that can be this intense, that stuff is naturally going to happen. So you just have to know how to deal with it so that it doesn't hurt your relationships and hurt your publication. And I would think as adults in the room, that's also us modeling to teenagers who we know are dealing with any of a bevy of, of mental health issues. Sure. Are, you know, we talk so much about how yearbook life is more than photography, interviews, and design. We're teaching them life skills, project mm-hmm. management, meeting deadlines, collaboration, marketing. We're also modeling and demonstrating skills like mm-hmm. take a breath and step away. Yep. And, and that's 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 almost more important for me to have a, a student remember when they're 30 than mm-hmm. how to take a rules of thirds photo. Right. Right. Exactly. You know? Those are the skills that apply lifelong. Yeah. Well beyond yeah. what you do on yearbook staff. So you've you've seen that in staffs. You've been in their rooms both here locally and, and nationally. Mm-hmm. What's the coolest resource or piece of furniture or use of a whiteboard or like what's something you're like damn like 
I, I was just in Arkansas and this school did this thing with their whiteboards and I'm taking that back to Florida. What's, <laughs> one, I'll take a couple if you've yeah, got Yeah, I was going to say. Um, you, know, you know, more than, the, like we have a coffee maker and a microwave. Sure, I think every you have a mini should, fridge. Yeah. We, have, we have a full size. Yeah. Oh, it's, you're just taking it up a notch. Yes. <laughs> That's right. But I mean, it's the beanbag chairs, right? Yeah. It's the comfy seating area. But it what should else? feel like home. Okay. Like I, I, I really feel like a yearbook room. I know like everybody's got different scenarios. I have some staff that meet in the media center. Right. Like the, you it's know, not their space. Yeah, it's not necessarily yeah. their space, so it's hard to make it feel like home. Right. Um, but any anything like that that has some kind of like feel, it should feel like your refuge on campus. Like I loved the fact that my room was never empty. Like it was always full of kids that were actually my students and kids that I never actually had as students that just. Right. Gravitate. You know, yes, yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, before school, during lunch, after school, I never had a dull moment to the point where I literally can't work when it's quiet anymore because I've gotten so used to having that ambient noise around right. me that I need something. Um, and it, it became things like we did, like we always had a, and most staffs do this, some kind of like Christmas party where we, sure. you know, did like white elephant gifts and it was always like crazy goofy stuff and so we had pool floats in our classroom the kids used to lay on and work on and those kinds of things um you know making like you were mentioning the beanbag chairs and couches and coffee makers and things that make it feel like i can camp out here for a while like i don't i don't need to leave to go get food or go get a drink like it's all everything i need is right here in this room um which is also nice because that means that they're going to camp out there sure. and hopefully work for <laughs> get some stuff done um, it's I a lot did, easier to give up your lunch uh -huh. if your lunch is in the if fridge. If your lunch is right, right there yeah. <laughs> and readily available. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, like I obviously have seen some pretty cool inspiration boards. Um, I've seen, I had a school that did, um, I've, I've seen schools that have just some weird stuff, okay. you know, that is more like inside jokes to their staff. Sure. And that I love. Yeah, things overheard in the lab yeah, and they keep a running yeah. list. And, yeah. and I walk in and because to me, like, it's how I always think of theme copy. Like theme copy is kind of like your inside joke. You know, mm -hmm. it's your school's inside jokes. It's the stuff that like, as an outsider, I'm not going to get that reference right away. But as soon as you say whatever, your entire school is going to know exactly what you're right. talking about. And it makes right. them feel included. Like this is, I'm part of something. Mm -hmm. And so having those little things in their classrooms that are inside jokes to your staff that even other kids on campus don't know what it means. Mm -hmm. It's just something that you guys get. Um, we had a closet that we called Narnia, you know, and it was just because it was always kind of a train wreck and you walked in there and you're like, I don't know where I'm going to come out. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Tumnus yeah. is in the back. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, just keep digging through yeah. to find what you need. Um, but all those little things that people, other kids don't get that are personally just for the yearbook staff, I think makes them feel special. For um, an advisor who's not familiar, roll back to inspiration board mm -hmm. for a second. You're sure. talking about living out or constantly harvesting maybe some visual inspiration. Mm -hmm. or what, what, what does that look like for, for people? Um, most of the time it's visual. Okay. Um, like spreads from a magazine? Spreads from or, magazines, yeah. things they see online, um, photography angles, things like that. Uh, we, we saw this really cool portrait in Rolling Stone. Yep, rip it out, put it up portrait. there. Yep. Okay. Lots of tape. Um, and, yeah. A lot of times we would use it also for if somebody had like had a story idea, either saw something on campus, talked to somebody, maybe we didn't know what we were going to do with it yet, right. like it didn't have a home in our ladder. So it's a or, parking lot. Yeah, it's a place like, hey, write it down on a sticky note, stick it right. on the inspiration wall, and when we're stuck, 
that's that's yeah. your go-to you know and i remember having plenty of kids that would just sit there and stare at it just look and i'm you know i'm a very visual person yeah. so even in my car now like my dashboard has sticky notes like all over it mm. constantly because if I don't see it, it's not going to happen. Like right. I need, I need to have that visual in front. And I think there's power. That some schools will be like, "Well, we use Google Drive yep. for that." And I've been there, and I'm the biggest proponent. You know this about mm-hmm. me about tech tools and Slack and Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. There is something powerful though about living with it in front of you. All like the time. I, I want my Google, I want my um, photography events calendar in my pocket. Mm-hmm. That's my phone. But living that inspo on the wall in front of you is remarkably powerful, mm-hmm. especially when you get stuck. Yep. Like just go stare for go it. Just You'll go figure, look you know, at it. Get, yep. Yeah, I mean, when I get you. when I'm putting together like uh, presentations and stuff, or workshops, or you know, conventions, some there are times where I'll just go walk around the bookstore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not necessarily looking for anything in particular. I'm just kind of looking for any kind of verbal phrase or a look or something to kind of get my mind thinking in the right direction, you know? Um, so having that stuff visually and updating it, you know, don't make it the same old, same old, like constantly be adding to it or having people add to it, having different students on staff put stuff up there. So it's constantly evolving, um, makes it a very useful tool. And I, and it's, yeah, having that visually out in front of you, because I've seen some people that will put it in binders, yep. or like you said, have it in folders on their server. And that's not a bad thing, because you can get a lot more in there than you can probably right. paste all right. over your wall um, without getting the fire department breathing down your back. But it, it, it does make a big difference to have something that they can just go look at. Yeah. And I'll probably make the environmentalists mm-hmm. on the audience scream, but you know, like <laughs> Pinterest is awesome. We've mm-hmm. printed from Pinterest to, to be able 100%. to 100 to be able to. If there's it. something you like, yeah. just hit print. Go yeah. put it up there. Yep. Another one, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, you know, maybe you can share it with schools. Mm-hmm. If the local library has an online portal, mm-hmm. they subscribe to Zinio or RB Digital, and there's a magazine portal. Mm-hmm. So now you can flip through back issues of magazines and then screen capture the thing that you that love. That works too. And it's totally free. Yep. I love it. I love that. So, yeah. and I, there's nothing like a walk, sorry, there's nothing like a walk to Barnes and Noble. No. Right? And, and Agreed. taking your iPhone. Take, yep, you bet. Absolutely. Um, and you can even go to, to libraries and get stacks of old magazines oh, yeah outdated stuff yeah. that you know maybe it's not the design stuff you're looking for maybe it's story content mm-hmm. maybe it's verbal phrases maybe it's you know photography angles it could be a lot of different things right. i think sometimes we pigeonhole ourselves into just looking for design stuff when right. Right. we need inspiration in all of these storytelling areas so um an inspo board and or wall is is one thing we've got the bean bags and, mm-hmm. and, and the rest of it your mm-hmm. narnia um <laughs> are there are there one or two productivity resources that that have struck you um and, and again i don't know if it's you know ladder on mm-hmm. post-it notes on a whiteboard mm-hmm. or something that was like either you know clever mm-hmm. or a non-digital solution that was that was impressive to you mm-hmm. or stuck with you um i uh Braden river high school did something cool and i've seen staffs do this before but the way they had it built out um just felt very professional and modern and helpful um they were a, they are a staff that meets in the media center okay. and they um they took their their book uh and every spread that they did they shrunk down to about mm-hmm. i would say like an index card mm-hmm. postcard size three by five mm-hmm, yeah. three by five a printout of their spread and they just continually placed it on the wall in ladder order you know as they completed things they would put them up there um and it's honestly what professional magazines do when they're trying to get the feel for the layout of the book 
the reason I like that is, um, and they did, I will say, they had a big rolly whiteboard that they pulled in front of it, so that way it wasn't, you know, available to every kid that sat in the media center. Um, but the I liked it because, one, it wasn't huge, like, you know, all these papers all over the wall. It wasn't in a binder, because right. I know a lot of people like to put them in binders. I think it's helpful for the entire staff, not just the editors, to get a bird's eye view of what that book is looking at, looking like. Yeah. Um, so they understand when they're asked to do something a certain way or if they're asked to you know, fix something or edit something or adapt something, that they see the bigger picture of what the book is starting right. to build out to and look like. Uh, it's not just an editor's job to yeah. see that. It's the entire staff's responsibility to be able to understand what it is we're we're working towards here. I've got to assume one mm -hmm. of the things that, that you see as a pro to that, um, I'm going to take it one step further on specific. Mm -hmm. So you've got you know three kids at three computers side by side. Kid on the left is working mm -hmm. eight, nine. Next kid's 10, 11. Mm -hmm. Next kid's 12, 13. They might not even be talking to each other. No. They, they might have their buds in. And Absolutely. Got music. And so when we, and this has happened to us at Tesserae, that we submit files mm -hmm. and we then maybe we're doing like paging through a virtual book we start stacking files we're like whoa mm -hmm. we're doing pull color but we have five red spreads mm -hmm. in a row yep and it's when we look at this thumb what i would call like a, a thumbnail or an index yep. card side spread you literally have we don't do this but i can see the power in it uh -huh. you have that bird's eye view to say you know wow all all of our dom pictures are high left yep it's not enough visual variety. All horizontal. All yep. exactly. mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I love that. Yep. That's, that's fantastic. It, was it takes great. some real estate. It does. Um, and also, uh, our Carrie Faust, mm -hmm. uh, who we know, um, she, my, my, my brain is jumping to a tradition that she's got. On her staff culture, they have, I think it's on one end of the room to start the year, mm -hmm. they have a paper chain mm -hmm. that represents all 320 pages of their okay. book. And with every page they submit, they take one of the loops off uh -huh. and they rebuild the chain on the other end of the room. Oh, that's so, cool. So, right, like so that. Going, yeah, so mm -hmm. let's say you step into a room to your left is this 320, to the right is a bare wall. Uh -huh. But by January, hopefully that wall has, you know, 100, 110, 200 sure. loops on it. And moving that final loop to that, uh -huh. final, like that's a staff culture thing. Mm -hmm. So it strikes me what you're talking about with the index cards, you see the book build in mm -hmm. over the course of the year. And there's it's motivational. A, exactly. Yes. Yeah, like, can we finish a sink? Because yep. we'd like the plant to be able to finish. Because look at that. I've got like one little blank Let's spot right I here. That. Yes, that I could fill that in. I love that. Um, I had a, I walked into a, a school a couple years ago that um, was doing something with uh, deadline motivation. So okay. they had taped like 10 balloons at when it got to the, towards the end of the deadline, they had 10 days before stuff was due. They put 10 balloons on the front of the board yep. and then every day pop they them. would pop one. I yep. It. I was like, that. that's enough to like light a fire Absolutely. under you to, to get like motivated. Yep, exactly. That's um, awesome. There are some schools that will do, um, will have their ladder very visible sure. on board so they can you know cross things out or erase and if you're anything like me like I, like i said i'm a sticky note person there's a great it's a great feeling in being able to crumple one up and throw it away you know so being able to have somebody that gets to erase the spread when it's done when it's complete you know i think is nice um another visual thing that a lot of schools uh a lot of schools do is um they have their student list posted in the classroom yeah. for coverage purposes so that you can track coverage of students. Yeah. Um, I, again, that's another one where a lot of people will put it in a binder. Or digital. Or digital. And, and, and there's merit to all there's of it. There's merit to all of it, yep. And some people out there are probably like, how much wall space do you think I have like, in my classroom for Welcome all Welcome to our stuff. lab, a 4,500 like, foot paper everywhere. bigger than your house. Yeah, but, um, but I, I did always like the schools that were able to do that because 
it, instead of just having to flip to a binder or just think, I don't want to go look to the binder. I'll just, you know, think of somebody that yeah. I know and go find them. Or I think you had mentioned like, you're just going to go, or Pete had mentioned, you're just going to go across the hall and find, talk to the people that are in the classrooms closest to the yearbook room. You know, this is a way to go find those random kids, especially when you have coverage opportunities that could be anyone on campus. It doesn't have to be a specific group to really make sure that you're getting everyone Let me take there. it two steps further mm-hmm. for some specifics for people in the audience um, and, and jump in here. Um, so th- first, thanks for not calling it a hit list. Mm-hmm. That, that language yep. in 2020 it is probably really, needs to go. Right. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I can't remember who it was on an episode from first season, but they, they, I think it might have been Megan Percival, but they call it the we love you too much list. <laughs> Which, you know, so it's a little cute, but I'll take it. But the, the world um, could use yes, a little more a much more cute. positive yeah. vibes. Happening so there's there. the we yep. love you too much list. There's two ways to do this uh, for those of you listening. We've got 1,550 kids at, at CPP. Uh, we have organize it alphabetically, so mm-hmm. grade doesn't matter, but it'll say, you know, Rodriguez, Jasmine, nine, and three different columns. We get uh-huh. this from the, arguably, the third most important person in the school, one of the secretaries. Okay. Right? The main office secretary, right. your custodian, custodian and, your, for sure. and your guidance office mm-hmm. secretary. Principal's like number 10. I love my principal. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you get that enrollment list from them. We get ours, uh, we start school very late, but roughly mm-hmm. we get ours, uh, call it September 10th, mm-hmm. and then we refresh it, I think, February 1st. Yep, I was going to say after semester, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, throw it up on the wall. When a kid is interviewed, photographed, covered, you develop a profile on them, whatever, mm-hmm. I've seen schools that will, let's say, highlight it yellow. Mm-hmm. First mention. Yep. Now, time passes, deadline passes, we're going back to that kid again. Mm-hmm. Now they go up and highlight blue. Yep. It actually looks green, not to mm-hmm. be clever, but yellow plus, you know, blue yep. color. So now, over the course of the year, we're getting more and more green. Mm-hmm. Get that third mention, it goes black. Mm-hmm. And what that has helped our staff do is recognize um, how we're doing in our coverage. And there are tech tools. I'm mm-hmm. sure your company uses some. Other mm-hmm. companies apply yep. some. But I, lo- I love the granular. I love the kids having responsibility mm-hmm. to get their hands on with this. But once you start getting towards black and you can't talk to that kid again, mm-hmm. then it can provoke some tough conversations or conversations that need to be had. Mm-hmm. Well, we really need to talk to them to get them this quote. Do, do you have to? Is that mm-hmm. the only kid that can give you mm-hmm. the, the quote of the coverage that you're hoping for? Mm-hmm. Well, no, there were a thousand people at the pep rally. Okay, sunshine. Okay. Go yeah. talk to one of them. There, there are plenty you know? of other options out there. Right. Um, and it, it is easy for, for students because they know, like, some, there are certain kids on campus they know they can talk to that will give them good quotes that will talk in complete sentences, right. you know? Like, and so they, they run to those same people over and over again when, if that is visibly in front of your classroom, we, we put ours in a binder. We called it the finder binder. It was always there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the classrooms that I've always seen where it's up, the students are much more likely to go look and then that visual of the same thing with the highlighting they'll highlight a couple different colors yep they'll see it it's interactive and then you're right it forces conversations and dialogue about coverage opportunities story angles how you want to approach certain topics where people are best featured or used um and that again, those are little things that add to the quality of your publication right. over time. And I would say one tip that I got from a different advisor um, on the other half of the use of this mm-hmm. list, the, the, the Wallace list, enrollment list, is um, there are websites and apps that will do random number generators. And yep. so you have 1,550 kids. There is a kid, um, 1,379. Mm-hmm. And so you can go, I'm not sure which website it is, I'll put it in the show notes, but mm-hmm. you can say, you know, give me a number between one and 1550, go. Mm -hmm. Because even with the list on the wall, 
Jenny, the yearbook sophomore, may be like, oh, uh, okay, Molly, my best friend Molly. Oh, Molly's still available. Uh -huh. I'm so yes, Mr. Simmons, <laughs> I did talk to somebody at random who was available on the list. Of course I did. No, yeah, of course you did, Sunshine. Mm -hmm. But by plugging in, and again, it, it's it's in those situations where any of the 1550 mm -hmm. could, could be, you know, a binge-watching question, mm -hmm. a snow day question. Yep. We're not talking about going to championships for chess right for six kids you bet um i, th I think you yeah, we're, yeah we're on the same page we um we used to do a little survey at the beginning of the year where for, for our staff that was like you know what's your favorite starbucks drink you know when's your birthday like little fun do facts about them you have important yes. facts yeah um and then we would ask for like what's your what are your five like closest friends on campus yeah. And they would write them all down, you know, and then we would put that list up and like, you are not allowed to I talk to it. these people. Yeah, because don't go gravitate towards your friends. Yeah. That's not, you know, that's that's easy journalism. Yeah. That's a that's a crutch, you but know. Journalism. But journalism. But journalism, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You can do better than that. Go talk to people that you don't know, that you don't interact with, because that's where the true journalistic skills are involved and yeah. can you get the story from them. I've got two more questions for mm -hmm. you. Um, you've worked with a lot of first-year advisors. Mm -hmm. um, at one point, you were one yourself. You bet. What are two bits uh, of advice that you could offer to an advisor who's about to embark on a yearbook life journey? Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're, we're welcoming them to the tribe. Mm -hmm. There's advisors here in Florida. You guys are back to it in two weeks yeah, from now. Yeah, super soon. So, yeah, so yeah. I'm sure there's some stress. <laughs> there's at least one Florida advisor yes. in the in the audience who's like, that's me. Uh -huh. um, bigger than rep relationship, mm -hmm. which is massive. Sure. You guys are partners in our journeys. Mm -hmm. um, but but what's uh, what's something that you would do to, to soothe or calm the nerves? I mean, it's going to be a whirlwind. There's, it is. There's no getting around there's it. There's no way around it. Um, I think accepting that first and foremost and just knowing. Embrace the chaos. Em embrace the chaos. Like, it's going to be that way, and that's okay, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I, I always say, like, there's getting the book done year one is your goal yes. so you you know if there's a book at the end of the year consider it success yeah. like whatever it looks like to make that happen right. is what it is set the first mark yep yeah. like but just getting that book done is is obviously you know priority on your list um i think as a new advisor and depending on what situation that advisor is walking into um if you can focus on building that relationship with your students and your staff up front which you know is teachers are always focusing on in their classrooms in general but really focusing on building those relationships and then i i remember somebody told me my first year as an advisor i think there are there our goal as advisors um is to get to that mentor place yes. where i'm really like it's a truly student-run publication i'm here to advise and guide and teach but you guys are making the decisions you're you're casting the vision for the publication you're running you're running your staff I'm here in the background coaching you along or, or mentoring you. Um, but you don't get there right away. Right. And then some advisors try to think like, well, it's supposed to be a student-run publication. I can't tell them what to do. I can't. It's okay. Somebody told me my first year as an advisor, like, it's okay to act more like an editor. Mm -hmm. Like, be more hands-on than you probably would normally be until you learn it. Right. And that's how I learned. Like, right. I, I mean, I went to school for journalism. I had a, a little bit of a background in it, so I knew some things going in, but I didn't know everything. Right. And I had never been on your book because I ran away from it for all the time. So you were a drama kid. I was a drama kid, yes. so I did not need to be in the yearbook room. And so this was a whole other world for me. And I remember my first uh, year as an advisor, my editor, Trevor, you know, I'd ask him how to do something, and he'd kind of grab the mouse and start doing it. And I'd be like, Trevor, no, like, 
show me how to do it. Like, I need you to teach me. It's okay to look to those students who have been on staff for years and say, how do you do this? How does this work? How have you guys normally done it? And just take notes. You don't need to, to you know, flip over the ship on the first run. Like, right. kind of get a lay of the land, figure out how things have been done in the past, what works, what doesn't. And take, I had a little Word document that I kept mm -hmm. and just typed in, like, this is what I liked, this is what mm -hmm. we need to change for next year, you know? Um, and then talk to your talk to your staff and get their input on it. You know, I, I same way I feel like as a rep, like I'm in it with you, I feel like a partner in it with you. I felt that way with my staff. Like, how do you guys feel like we need to grade? You know, like how would you feel like the, the staff proofing process needs to function? What do you think the structure, the hierarchy, you know, should look like? How many work nights do we need? How many work nights do we need, you know? Um, what a photo weeks look like, you know, have those discussions with them and let them be a part of making some of those decisions because they probably, if you're walking into a staff that has some returners, they probably have some experience and thoughts on that. And I, since you're just learning, put, you know, put two and two together and between all of you guys, you'll come up with a great plan. So that first year, it's okay to probably be a little more hands-on than you might normally want to be and grow into that mentoring role the more that you learn and can guide those can students. I take you one step further. Have you mm -hmm. seen, we're not going to accuse anybody, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm assuming both of us have seen in organizations and in the classroom, mm -hmm. the new advisor arrives and said, this is the way it's going to be. <laughs> we're going to change everything. Yes. And, and that, I mean, that can be the organizational and cultural dynamics of all that is wrapped up mm -hmm. in that. Tread, tread lightly, Yeah. you know, because those kids, if there are a bunch of returners, mm -hmm. they're probably beholden to old ways and means. Mm -hmm. And your arrival could be the most positive thing to happen in the lab in a decade. Mm -hmm. Yet, it's a transition. And if you go in uh, and, and just try to upset for, the apple cart exactly, right away, for sweeping yeah. change, you could do more harm than good. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. I, I think there's that first year is more evaluative sure. than it is action oriented so yeah get a feel for it like it's you know i've always told people it, it takes three years to turn a program around you right. know it, it doesn't happen overnight so that first year is more especially if you're brand new to the game and you have no yearbook background mm -hmm. it's more of a learning year for you like it's more of your time to take it all in see what you like see what you don't like and then, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't execute some changes along the way, sure, sure. Um, but just kind of get a feel for it and then get that book done. Mm -hmm. And then next year, now you have a better feel for how that whole process looks right. from start to finish. Then you can execute some changes. Um, but don't feel like you need to jump in there and, and do all of it at once. I've also told people just because you start the year one way doesn't mean you can't you oh. have to go the whole year like that. Like we've started with a you know certain grading systems mm -hmm. or proofing systems or hierarchies, and you know three months in go this is just this is not, not working. working. <laughs> this, no. is, this is we are failing miserably at this plan. So we'll sit down and figure out something else. So it's okay to change it on the fly. You don't have to commit to something if it's not working right. all year. Uh, I've known you. Um probably going on five years or so. Yeah. Yeah, but most, most of the time you've been mm -hmm. a rep. Um, and I've always known you to be a champion for supporting kids and living out that your book is journalism. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about student voice. And uh, I'm not putting you on the spot as mm -hmm. a First Amendment expert, but <laughs> is there a particular rep perspective that you bring to supporting staffs in... I'm sure you've been in the room when they're talking about mm -hmm. um, generating some sensitive coverage yep. or, or helping an advisor navigate uh, some choppy waters with sure. an administrator who maybe you and I would say, because you know, you know, we're new voices, uh -huh. that, that is overreaching. 
but just just a little, not even a question, but just mm-hmm. explore that a little bit, unpack that a little bit. What's that yeah. like been? What's, what's that been like in your journey these last five years of of empowering student mm-hmm. voice through solid journalism? Obviously, that's yeah, that's something I'm I, I feel super passionately about because that's that's what we do here. You know, like I I think yes, we're making yearbooks and we're and we're having fun and and all that's well and good and and I think it's a valuable piece that that students get at the end of the year, but but even more valuable than that is teaching these skills, teaching these students lifelong journalistic skills um, and, uh, and teaching them to value that as a, as a field, you know, as an, as an industry. And I, I have encountered a, a, quite a few scenarios where students want to do some controversial coverage, sensitive issues, things that might, could be taken multiple different ways sure. and people could have different kinds of feelings and opinions on. Um, from from that perspective, my my job in that role to me is to step back and ask questions. Like I I very much try not to 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 make statements in those scenarios. I ask a lot of questions in the hopes that I can help guide those students and that advisor and even or that principal sure. to the right conclusion. Um, I don't want to come in and be the person that tells you, well, this is right and this is wrong, this is okay. But I think through the right set of questioning, they kind of come to those conclusions on their own. Sure. Um, and I will be honest, like sometimes that means they move forward with the piece and they go with it. And I've seen many times where they decide, you know what, this is not something that we're ready to pursue or that we want to pursue or that we feel like is relevant to our student body right. um, or is an issue that our student body really needs to have a dialogue on like there's a there's a lot of questions to be to be asked around what we what we do with this privilege and this right and that we don't abuse it or take advantage of it or use it for shock value or any of those things yes like there should be a, a reason behind it and so to me by asking by asking a lot of questions it it hopefully forces students to really think through the decisions that they're making. It's real easy for students to see some of the coverage that other books around the country do and go, oh, I wanna do that, or we wanna do a story on that. Like it's, there's a, a much greater thought process into storytelling than just they did it and I wanna do it, right. you know? Um, so I think that's important for them to understand that even as journalists, just because you can doesn't mean that you should or you have to. Um, there's, a, there's a responsibility as a journalist, and I think that's an important part of, of students understanding how to handle the power that they have responsibly. Right. And so I've, I've tried to feel like I would never want to discourage a student. I want to empower them to, to take that choice and decide whether or not to pursue it or to let it lie. Right. Um, so it's important that they're educated on the on the rights that they have and the voice that they have. SPLC.org. That's Student right. Law yes, Center. like they, they need to know it, um, and they need to be confident in where they stand, and then understand that with that comes a responsibility that doesn't mean that we have to do everything out there. So I, I think that's part of journalistic judgment, knowing what's important for my readers and my audience to hear, and what's not. Uh, this has been Sabrina Schmitz, uh, my friend. I know I'm looking you right in the eye. You, I, I have known you these, these last five years, and I know you've got so much of your journey ahead of you. The yearbook world is better because you're in it. That's, so, that means a lot. Thank you. thank you so much. It's been a great having you on the podcast, and, and thanks for the chat. Thanks for having me. Yeah, what a great conversation that was. Once again, my thanks to Sabrina for being on the podcast today. 
This uh, will probably be it for a little while. I'm headed to the uh, mountains of New Hampshire with my family for an archery camp uh, at the end of this week and uh, then getting into my own local camp. Uh, so we'll probably be back with you in, uh, in mid-August or so. But for all of you who are uh, on the, the, the doorstep of another school year, good luck in these opening weeks. We'll be back with you soon enough. And for those of you who are still uh, squeezing out the last bit of enjoyment of your summer vacation, take your time with it, savor it, rest up, and uh, you know, you've got your book waiting for you. Uh, so don't, put, uh, don't put too much thought to it yet. Make sure you're taking the, the self-care time that you need, the family time that you need. Uh, it's all it's right around the corner. For now, friends, be well. Good luck. We'll talk soon. <laughs>